This podcast is brought to you by Heinen's. Founded in 1929 in Shaker Heights, Ohio, by local butcher Joe Heinen, Heinen's has grown to 23 total locations, with 19 stores in the Cleveland area and four in the North Shore suburbs of Chicago. After years of building connection with Midwest farmers, it became a part of Heinen's nature to do business with smaller regional companies. Today, Heinen's is proud to carry nearly 700 Midwest-made non-produce items that are present in all departments. For more information, go to Heinen's.com. Welcome to the Craft Food Classroom Podcast, where we help make food business simple at every stage of growth. Brought to you by Central Kitchen Media. And now, here's your host, Eric Diamond. Hey, this is Barry Jarvis. Welcome to the Craft Food Classroom Podcast. I'm riding solo as your host today. And as always, brought to you by Heinen's. Big thanks to them. I have two very special guests today coming to us from our neighbor state here in Indiana, over in Indiana. We are with Tulip Tree Creamery. And we are lucky to have your products over here in Ohio. And big fans. I have Laura and Fonz today. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. Good morning. Thanks for having us. You bet. You bet. Now, I know that you guys are are co-owners there at Tulip Tree, but I'll start with Fonz. How did you get into cheese? Oh, it's it's a long story. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. uh, It started when I was growing up, basically. You know, I grew up in this uh, nice little village in the northern part of the Netherlands called Friesland and surrounded by beautiful pastures and lakes and and all that stuff. You know, it's it's one of those places where it's amazing. And, you know, we as a little boy, I was always in the already in the countryside and and all that stuff. You know, I was uh, fishing behind the old dairy plant in the canals and and if we went to the big city, we always passed this huge dairy plant on our way. And that kind of started getting my fascination going. And then I went into it a little bit more. I studied food science. I studied uh, food science for seven years and specialized in dairy technology and dairy processing. And then kind of started traveling the world and seeing what people are doing with dairy, you know, what kind of products they make out of it. And that brought me to a lot of different places. Like, you know, I spent a lot of years in Tanzania, East Africa, and did consulting in, wow. in Mongolia and Kenya, Uganda and Ukraine and all that stuff, and, uh, and made it over here to the U.S. as well, and you know, and, and kind of brought my fascination with more with the hands-on stuff, so more in the small and medium scale, and I really like that and see what you can make out of milk. You know, milk is such a nice. It's it's you start with this white liquid. And then you can make these amazing products out of it, which are so different, like cheese, ice cream, yogurt, and, you know, ghee, butter, and, and all that kind of stuff. And, of course, now we're making pudding here, which are amazing, too. You know? Oh, so, yeah. So it's like it's, it's, you make these very different products out of this, you know, white liquid. And it's just and it's amazing. And you can taste. And if you get the right source, you get the milk from the right sources, you can really taste you know, what, where they, where those cows have been, what they have been eating. And, you know, you get that in there. And that has always been one of my key things about, okay, what, what you know, what kind of cheese you're going to make and those kind of things. And I, with that, I always look at, it starts with the cow, you know, where are they? What kind of environment are they? What are they eating? And that starts my 
my mind spinning and say, hey, this is what I want to do. This is how I can get these flavors out of there. This is how I can play with this, you know, and I'm adding a little bit of this, adding a little bit of that to it. And voila, then we end up with these beautiful cheeses. And then, you know, and the nice thing about the small scale part too, which always fascinated me was you get this immediate contact, you know, you, as you make it, you're like, we're being on a farmer's markets. You're, you're, you know, you have your direct contact with your, from the farmer all the way to your final consumer. And that's a nice thing. And, and that's something which you're often, when you're in a large facility, you're so focused on just one point, you kind of miss all those little steps, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a great thing to do. You answered a lot of my questions in that opening intro, so that was fantastic. And I'm excited to taste Indiana pastures in the Torar of this, you know, this cheese here. Yeah. So, like you said. Laura, how did you get into cheese? Well, uh, my background was public health, and I worked in hospitals for many years doing education. My degree was in public health and microbiology. And so I worked in the health field for several years. And then on my birthday, I don't know what year that was, maybe 2003, I was I was kind of looking for something else, just a different environment than like large hospitals. And so I, my husband took me to a local organic dairy farm where Fonz was the lead production manager, cheese maker, product manager. And he was making these amazing yogurts and chocolate. I think the chocolate milk got me probably. And so um, (laughs) he was making these really great local clean products with local milk. And my experience there within an hour, I was applying for a job. My husband's like, go ahead. You know, like I applied for a job and uh, it was a job actually on the farm. And I'm sure the owners laughed and said, well, I don't think that's for you, but we, you know, how about come into the office and help us with sales. And so I started and we worked together for five years there and I pretty much was hooked, I guess, then. That was like your 12th or 13th birthday though, right? I mean, you were. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You started young. Yeah. And at that point, we were only making, you were making like one or two cheeses, so maybe the fresh cheese and then a long grade cheese. But then after that, we, you know, left there about the same time, started another company. And so it just kind of went from there. So we're now, I don't know how many years working together, almost 20. Yeah. Something like that. Since your birthday, you've worked together? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's great. So I was just looking for something different. And then, you know, at the time, a lot of people wanted to know where their uh, food came from, you know, around 2004, 2005. It was a big time, at least in Indianapolis, where people were really interested in, hey, where's my food coming from? And, you know, what is this products you're all making that is like really clean and simple and real food? And so I felt like at that point, I was like a helping be, I was a resource to our local community to find real food. And it happened to be dairy that tasted really, really good. That is, that is wonderful. That's a great story. I, I couldn't, I don't think that one's on your website, is it? Uh, or anywhere not. in the news? That's, I mean, that's you know, people, yeah, yeah, people ask me, <laughs> you know, there's, I mean, I don't hide it. It's just sometimes it's a little bit more complex answer, you know, yeah. you know, so mm-hmm. yeah. So that's pretty much it. And we've worked together since about 2004. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And uh, this is our third third business and our only business together that we've been owners of. Wow. And, and back to Fonz real quick. Was there someone in your childhood, going back to the Netherlands, that was an inspiration? Did you, I'm sure you 
ate a lot of great food uh, growing up. Um, was there any one person that you would say that that was the person that really got me into food? Uh, I think not specifically a person. I think it's much more really um, maybe it is more that, uh, you know, that what is that saying? It takes a village, you know, and uh, it's it's kind of the environment you grow up with. You know, I, uh, it's a small village. Uh, you You walk to the main street or you go on a bicycle. And of course, in Holland, we do everything on a bicycle. You know, so you go to the you go to the to the main store on the bicycle. We had like three, you know, um, we had a couple bakeries in the village. We had all the fruit and vegetables there. You would go there. You would, you know, you handpick stuff, and you would do that. Many times you do that on a daily basis. You don't buy for a whole week, and you just do it, you know, every day. Um, and you kind of grow up with the, I think that basic natural stuff. Where around the villages you have a lot of gardens, you know, vegetable farmers and all that stuff. That's where you pick that up. And I had a lot of friends who had farm, who, who grew up on farms and that's where we were. So you, you know, so you kind of live with the cows, you know, in a way, yeah. you know, and, and it's, you know, I remember as a little boy, there was a farm where now that farm is not there anymore. Now it's a soccer field, but, uh, you know, I walked down the street and, uh, as a little boy and my mom would give me my little milk can, which was about this high, and uh, I would go there at time of milking, and then you know the farmer would just have his uh, raw milk. He filtered it, and then he filled that up, and then I went back home, and then my mom boiled it, and then make it safe, and and then that's what we drink, and that's how we did that, you know. And then of course later on, you got all the other stuff in the stores, and then we switched over to that. But you kind of grow up with that whole thing where um, I remember, you know, when that farmer went out and got the you know the hay from the fields and the grasses and all that stuff, and Many times, all the kids in the neighborhood, they would be right with him on the riding on the wagon, you know, having that experience. We played in the barnyards and um, and be with the animals and all that kind of stuff. So you kind of, I think that's the key thing. You kind of grow up with it, and I think that's where that that thinking started going with me about, you know, when you create products, I think you don't want to go for complexity. You know, I think if you have something really good. You don't have to make it, you know, if nature produces something really good, why would you do all these funny steps and throw in all these weird stuff and, and make it, try to make it better or something? You know, nature is really good and making great flavors. And now be as a person, try to work with that and 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 bring that out to people, you know, how they can enjoy it. Yeah. And, and I think that's what always, that's one of the big things for me, you know, uh, think Think, go to the basics first and make sure that that is good and then work with that. Keep it simple and, and you can create incredible products. Yeah. And, you know, and I think that's what we have been doing here at Chill Tree 2. It's like, you know, it's, I think what I tell people many times, it's, it's just amazing when you're looking at these steps of cheese making, you know, all the steps are pretty much the same. But then if you're looking at the range of cheeses, they're so different. And that's just by, you know, uh, going with a little different bacteria, different cultures in there. You you change the temperatures in there, and and you play with that a little bit, and then suddenly you get this whole different product. And I think that's just fascinating, you know. Wow. Yeah. I that that interconnectedness with nature, growing up with the animals, living with the cows, and keeping it simple is fantastic. I love that philosophy, yeah. and I'm glad you you're, you're bringing that philosophy here to this this part of the country. Yeah, you know, and that's, uh, you know, when we get a new person in too in the make room for making cheese and, and 
I, I tell them, I say, don't, don't start reading books immediately, you know, start observe first, you know, look at the cheese making process, get your hands in the milk, get your hands in the curd, feel it, you know, smell it, get all your senses yeah. going, you know? Wow. And I think that's a big thing. And then once you get that and see that whole process, what's going on, it makes much more sense than to start reading afterwards and, and try to explain certain things which is happening. Yeah, that seems like a great way to ignite some passion, right? Yeah. More than exactly. a book, yeah. Laura, how about you? What was your childhood food inspiration? Well, you know, I'm from Hagerstown, Indiana, which is population 2000, very rural, eastern part of the state. And, you know, half of my high school classmates were farmers. So uh, we I wasn't raised on a farm. And honestly, my mom didn't really, I mean, she she cooked for us, but it wasn't anything extravagant because I had, you know, working, both my parents were working. So, you know, sometimes I was cooking when I was younger and um, never really thought I would really get in, really see myself in the food business. But, um, you know, I think from the small town I was from, I wasn't exposed to much until I moved to the bigger cities and got to experience different foods. And so I just think, leaving my small town, experiencing, and I mean, I've traveled a lot outside of the United States. So I just think just, you know, trying different foods and experimenting and just opening my palate to different flavors over the years um, has helped. I'm not, you know, a cheesemaker. I help teach cheesemaking on a smaller scale, which is fun. I just made, I was testing out a mozzarella making, um, recipe at home a couple nights ago, but um, I'm just doing it for more for the, my own learning. um, And so I can share the, you know, the process of people who want to make cheese in their homes on a smaller scale. So yeah, I enjoy, I enjoy cooking. I cook at home almost every night now. Yeah. And so I just, I I, I really like, um, you know, working with my hands and just uh, feeding people, really, because that's mainly my job as uh, sales, marketing, and education. I'm taking these amazing cheeses and just letting people taste and see what they like or what they don't like, you know, some cheeses. That was my next question, and I I love that, that your focus being on on sales and marketing. So many of the craft food entrepreneurs we talk to and meet, they have to create one day and sell the next or create, you know, so Mm -hmm. that partnership, like almost the separation of church and state, so to speak, that, that seems like it's working out great and playing to both of your strengths. I think it works out real well. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, that's how we, um, it has been kind of since we met, uh, you know, our, my focus was always more towards the production and Laura's focus was much more to, you know, the sales, the marketing, social media, and all that stuff. The nice thing about that is also that that's not where my interest was. You know, my interest was, okay, let's make the products and, you know, uh, create them, make them, see how we can make more of them, and, and that kind of stuff. And the funny thing is then, you know, it's always nice that when, as a production person, when, when you go out and then you meet those customers and see, because, you know, uh, Laura keeps telling me you have to get out there, you know, and, and hear what people tell, say about it, you know, yeah. and, and it's a great, and it's such a big motivator, you know, it is an amazing thing when you hear customers in a store, you know, saying these things, not because out of politeness, but they just say incredible things about your products and, uh, you know, and that, of course, that's, 
that's a great motivation. It, great, it gives you great energy. And especially, you know, when you have as a small company, you, you, you know, the last two years were pretty difficult, you know, and stressful at times. And, uh, but those kind of things really get you through, you know. And, uh, and, that, and it said it gives you a lot of extra energy. Which a cup of coffee doesn't do, you know. So it's <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, so it's 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 that's it's a great thing to have, and um, so we kind of worked it out really well that we can do that, you know. And I do hope that as we continue to grow, that you know I can get out there more with Laura, you know, uh, so people also see you know who is behind more the production side of the the company. Laura, I mean, does it make your job as in sales and marketing easier when you're winning? World Cheese Awards and National <laughs> American Cheese Society gold medals um, and th- blue ribbons. Yeah, for sure yeah. that does. And you know, just to tag along with what we were talking about a second ago, you know, um, I'm the one tra- doing the traveling and out there, you know, greeting people, feeding people, and you know, I get questions all the time. Well, where's Fonz? And I'm like, well, he's making cheese right now. Like he can't really join me. But yeah, yeah hopefully this year, you know, we set it up intentionally like that but you know there is a time where he does have to come out from the cheese vat and do you know because people want to meet him and and you know hear the story like you want to hear the story and and i think it just lets people um you know get excited to meet and hear the passion behind you know from the person who's making the cheeses which is you know always really infectious yeah um, but yes, when we when he when we make these amazing cheeses and the words start showing up, uh, yeah, it uh, it's so fun when we win. Oh, I bet. It's just so exciting to be able to share that, and you know, with the whole team. And it it takes the it's taken our whole team to for us to be able to do this for sure. So yeah. it's just incredible to bring it back and share it with them, and yeah. you know, really be thankful that we've done what we've done so far in seven years. Yeah, yeah I think when. I have visions of Fonz as a child with the can of fresh milk. And I think, you know, you're, you're going to wind up with some blue ribbons. You know, that's your, your early training, you know. Yeah, I, I remember uh, one time when my parents were gone for a day and they came back and I was uh, brewing some beer in the kitchen. <laughs> and I was not too old at that time. And uh, so that was, uh, that was kind of a nice surprise. I had to bottle it and then I put it in the cellar and, you know, we, we, we did drink it. Uh, but uh, it was a little bit strong. <laughs> but that was uh, like that was one of the first uh, little uh, you know food creations I I did in uh, yeah my house. So. Wow, that's setting you up well to learn all about cheese making. I'm sure. Well, we are going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsor, and we'll be right back with you. And I am going to try some of this amazing product. We will be right back. Okay. Do you have an amazing food product that's retail ready? If so, you should check out our class on delivering the perfect pitch. It's taught by Kim Heinen from Heinen's, and she heads up the category management team. She's going to take you through the key differentiators that'll set you and your product apart, as well as to give you the four P's of a perfect pitch. It really is a great roadmap to get you on retail shelves. So check that out at thecentral.kitchen slash classroom. All right, we are back and excited to uh, try these products. Laura, let me ask you, 
What have been the challenges of the last year and a half or so with everything that's gone on? And, you know, how do you see your business moving forward from here? Sure. Well, I think for sure the unknown has been the biggest challenge in the last year and a half. You know, when COVID um, started, our order stopped. And so we just really had no idea, you know, we had, we didn't know, know what was going to happen. If we, you know, we of course stopped making cheese, but we still had aging rooms full of cheese. I think that was the biggest challenge that we had is figuring out, okay, what, what do we do now that the orders have stopped rolling in? Um, but luckily that was pretty short lived because while the restaurants closed, the grocery stores picked up. So I would say within two or three months, it was kind of um, a little more clear what we needed to, you know, probably within three months, I would say, uh, it was clear that we just had to shift and really start focusing to sales that were going to retail. And so we worked with a lot of our retailers initially to help move product that was aging. Um, and then we adjusted what we were making based on that because different products are moving in different uh, markets. So, um, and, you know, honestly, I can say we've had, you know, in the last six months or longer, we've had really steady growth in the retail or yeah, in the retail section. And then restaurants have been opening up here. So, you know, I think it's just, we just had to shift our focus on say of sales from, from, you know, for a little while, but our local farmers markets have just been amazing and they have, you know, they've just started going up and they've stayed high. So, you know, it's, we're, we've been in a good, we're in a good place right now. Yeah. I think, you know, I think our strong point of our company was that we did not focus our sales just on one, one point of the market. You know, we, we did have distributed sales going into the food service uh, parts, uh, we also in the retail parts, and then we had the farmer's markets. So we were fortunate that, you know, and we had a good mix of di- different distributors. So as certain parts fell away, other parts picked up. And that took a little bit of balancing, and that has really uh, worked out. You know, the unpredictability is the big thing because you just don't know, and, you know, your customers also don't know exactly what's, what's going to happen. So you kind of have to think about what you're going to do and, and just guess and, and, you know, take some risks on the way. And, mm-hmm. and then, you know, and then the, then the thing happens is that uh, that's how very much last year went. And then suddenly this year, uh, you know, the moments the restaurants really opened up, mm-hmm. you saw this huge acceleration of the market. And it went so fast that it was so difficult to keep up with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you have to adjust to that. And then, and then in that whole concept, one of the biggest Issues then comes up and say, you know, how can you do, how can you arrange everything with staffing? Uh, and you have several people who might yeah. be suddenly, you know, they have to quarantine and how do you cover that? And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's the typical thing what a small business goes through. Um, and we had those same, same things. So, but we are very fortunate that everything worked out really well. And, you know, we, we finished the year very strong. And, you know, and, and the nice thing is that, you know, we finished this year with some amazing awards. Hey, speaking of awards, I just tried the hops. Absolutely wonderful. That creaminess is hard to describe. 
What? Tell me about uh, that product and then the beer washed rind. That process. I am. I, I saved. These are from Heinen's. This is my new favorite cracker. I, I saved three of them for this podcast. So there was only like 40 in the package. Yeah. So one of the distributors in Cleveland, Chef to Chef Foods, arranged to bring the beer down from the Great Lakes Brewing Company. And then we made a couple batches of hops using local beer from your area. So uh, it, was, it was great to be able to do that. Yeah. And that's Great Lakes, right? Great Lakes yeah. Brewing. Yeah. Does yeah. it say the name of the beer? I just can't remember. Not on this one because they cut they cut into a huge oh, wheel okay. of the, okay. for this one. I wanted okay. the whole thing. Right. But, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we send up a four pound wheel to Chef to Chef Foods, and then they they disseminate it to all the the regional Heinen's stores in the Cleveland area, and then the 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 stores in Chicago are also. Yeah. If, if I had to guess it, I would guess it's the Commodore Perry IPA. I, I don't know, but that's a real hoppy. Oh, okay. Yeah. Have, yeah. yeah. It's been lovely yeah. to work with Heinen's because, you know, the size that they are and, you know, they want really nice products. So it's really nice because they can, you know, work with us and their distributor that they use up there and uh, really bring in, you know, the, the cheeses that they want pretty easily. So it's been yeah. lovely to work with them. And all their gourmet cheese specialists know your product so well, and they really do want to find the best yeah. the best out there. Yeah, know? I probably am due a visit up to visit Heinen's. Well, let me know. When we initially rolled out the line, I went up and I met with all of their um, cheese uh, mongers and cheese buyers and did an education with all all of them and all of our products. So it was it was a lot of fun. It's probably time for me to come and do a revisit. Yeah, that would be fun. We, if you do, we'll have to visit I'll us here. I'll let you know. <laughs> yeah. Okay, next up, I'm going to, and this is the one I haven't had. I'm going to cut into this. Um, yeah, the Fox, Fox Glove. Glove. Yeah, yes. so the Hops is the first one you had, which is the semi-soft. And then the Hops, which is the double cream wash drying cheese. Yeah. So we call it our Funkalicious cheese. Yeah, I saw that. I know. That is know. just gorgeous. Yeah. So, I mean, oh. So this is inspired by a, a lot of the French, more fragrant, stinky cheeses. Fonz, do you want to talk about the Fox Club? You know, it's it fits in our line. Like when we set out uh, the kind of cheeses we wanted to make, we kind of wanted to make a, a cheese line, which is very uh, diverse, you know, not so much, uh, very much in the same great. thing. So <laughs> yeah. this was, uh, this really uh, went into the funky part uh, of the whole line. And it's, I think it's a great cheese. It's, it's a tricky one to make. And we, uh, during the whole years of development, we have, there have been a couple of times when we actually were close to stopping it. And then uh, we got things under control. And uh, so now it's like, I, I really like how it is right now. And what happens is, you know, in the beginning, it's nice and firm. It's a little softer on. And then as it ages more, it gets this nice, creamy breakdown in the middle. And it just gets softer and softer. And, um, you know, like I know Laura uh, prefers many times to actually just cut the top open and then start with a spoon or a knife. You just take it out like that, you know, and uh, it's great. It's it's a great. uh, But, you know, you kind of have to be into the cheese with a little bit of a, you know, a stronger uh, flavor to it. I love this. 
Yeah, this and it, it's great. Day. I think the texture is really, you know, texture can be like, once it gets really ripe, the texture is almost like yeah. butter. You yeah. know, it's like you spread mm. it over. It goes so well with so many different things. It's just amazing. And um, something which a lot of people don't realize that, you know, when you have a very stinky cheese, most of that smell comes a lot from the rind. So once you take that rind off a little bit and you go you dig more into the inside, you know, that's, that, that stinkiness, that funkiness is much more mellow. Um, and uh, well, I'm eating this rind too. Oh, I'm yeah, just tell you, you know, that. go for I mean, it. There's and, no uh, way I'm here. <laughs> and one thing which amazed me is that you know, my daughter, of course, she's been eating cheese like crazy since she was born. Uh, but she also digs into this cheese, you know, so uh, wow. so that, that's a good sign for me. That yeah, is. I mean, how I've been told that it's it, you know, even though there is a fragrance, it's actually pretty sweet and it is more approachable than. Some of the French, yeah. you know, more stronger cheeses. Um, so yeah, you know, I we haven't won any awards on that cheese, but it is the most. I oh, mean, yeah. Instagram cheese. All the cheesemongers behind the counters love it. Uh, it's just not. Um, it's not really our main. Like I wouldn't say a mainstream cheese, but for the people, yeah. for those who enjoy more European inspired you know, more earthy, um, interesting, and more complex cheeses. This is a beautiful piece. Yeah. I well, love do it. you feel like it, sometimes with the awards, it has to fit into a styled category? I know beer is kind of like that sometimes. That, that, that too. And, you know, and yeah. sometimes if, uh, uh, you know, it, it, you also depend, of course, a little bit on the preference of the person who's tasting it, you know, and, yeah. and especially when you get into these kind of, these kind of uh, cheeses, that's very much like that, you know, because the flavor is so strong many times. Uh, so it really depends. But, but, you know, one of the fascinating things about this cheese, too, um, is like if you eat eight hours like on a regular basis throughout the year, you, you will see that the flavor changes. And that happens because, you know, we are getting this great milk from these cows, which are year round basically outside, and they eat different things. So sometimes during the certain times of year, you get this whole different flavor into it, you know. Uh, there have been uh, little bacon flavors, you know, so uh, yeah. can pop up. And it's it's just amazing, you know. And I yeah. think that's – I think it's such a connecting cheese to, you know, to the earth, let's say. And I think yeah. that's a nice thing. And there is so much work goes into that cheese. You know, we uh, it's being washed several times during the week. And then it has to age. It has to be turned. And, and we use special washes for that, you know. And – there's a lot of manual labor going into that and a lot of love to make that cheese how it is, you know, and that's yeah. the other fascinating thing is you can actually, you know, you, you can taste that love. If that product comes out good, you, you know that the people from when we were making it to through the avinage part to the wrapping part, you know, they really put a lot of attention to that product. And then, you know, wow. so it's, yeah, it's a special product. And that, that cheese is touched, I think, over 16 times, like yeah. from whence it's really? made. How long do you age this particular one? About, about four weeks. Wow. So then I'm thinking I'm going back in time I'm, to win that grass. I know I love butter in like June, you know, yeah. like it just, it, you can taste a little bit. Yeah, there's always something special about, you know, whatever is being produced from dairy uh, in the, from the month of June, you know, you get the fresh grasses going and all that stuff. It's always yeah. special. And I know in the Netherlands, we have special spring, you know, spring cheese, which is only produced, of course, in the spring and the month of May and maybe the beginning of June. And it's just because of those just extra flavors, you know, the special things which come through. 
there's something uniqueness yeah. to it. So, yeah. And this craft, uh, these, you know, that, that leads into how special is it your relationship with the farmers and knowing their pastures and things like that? It's very important. You know, I don't have to know everything, but it, I think the key thing about it is that, you know, you want to work like for us, we want to work with, we, you know, with a farmer who cares about whatever they are doing very much. It's, it's a key thing. What are they standing for? And it's not about, you know, is the cow just healthy, but how is the farm being managed? You know, um, how are they treating the land? That whole concept, you have to be good with that. And, and that kind of, because that's the inspiration for us to develop the type of product we want, because that kind of brings the flavor out. If you don't pay attention to that, it, you know, you kind of treat it as a sterile product, and it's not. And there are such amazing flavors in there, uh, you know, and, and you, have to, you have to find out, you know, you have, uh, how to get that out of there. So you need that information. And so that relationship with the farmer is crucial. And, uh, yeah. you know, and a lot of people ask me, too, I was like, you know, did you ever wanted to be a farmer? And absolutely not. <laughs> you know, I, I so like hard. the stuff when the milk is in the tank and, and then make the products. And uh, I, I, to me, the being a farmer, it looks uh, that, that, yeah, that's not for me. So um, I like uh, more this part of the job. So And our, our um, the milk comes from Hudson, Indiana, which is in the northeastern corner of the state, which is very close to the Ohio border and probably like at the same altitude as Cleveland. Oh so, yeah. Yeah. We drive up yeah. uh, and pick up the milk twice a week from wow. the corner of the Northeast corner of the state. So. Yeah. And that's uh, what's one of your farmers there. Uh, Country Meadows. Country Meadows. Is Country up, Meadows. Yeah. That's yeah. up there. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. We, okay. we will sometimes tap into other local <laughs> dairies, but right now we are uh, pulling cheese from Country Meadows. Okay. Nice. Well, now I want to get into this Snapdragon here. The so Snapdragon? That's what you're trying? Yep. Mm -hmm. Habaneros, right? Yeah. So this is the sister to Trillium, which is um, one of our cheeses that just won a gold in Spain, a gold award. The same wow. cheese without the covers. You know, and it's, I think it's great for people who are looking for something with a little bit of kick to it. But, you know, That's and me. I think... That's me. And the nice thing about it is, I think, you know, working with habaneros, they, they can be so hot. But, you know, when you're putting that in, like, with a cheese like a trillium, when you have a triple cream, that, that cream, the sweetness of the cream, that blends so well with that little bit of heat, I think it's just a perfect combination. It is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it's my... I can't even decide. These all three are so wonderful. How, how you know, that triple cream... I don't think a lot of uh, people may understand that. How, like, how much cheese would you get from a gallon of milk, say? Well, it depends what kind of cheese it is, you know. But typically, uh, many times when uh, you almost go to a ratio uh, like, what is it, um, one to ten, and but it depends very much on what you're working with. Because if you're working with a spreadable cheese, you're gonna have a lot more moisture you want to keep in there because the moisture in the cheese is much higher. So you, your yield is going to be mm -hmm. much higher. Where if you're making a hard-aged cheese, your moisture level is so much lower that, you know, you're going to, your yield is much lower and that cheese has to age much longer too. So it, it depends very much on what you make. And then it depends on, you know, the quality of the milk you're working with. So like your, your composition of the milk. So for a cheese maker, you want to have milk, which is 
very high in protein because the protein is really what makes the cheese. So if you're if you're having you know milk with a very high level, you will see a significant higher yield coming out of that. And that's that's not what you see, for instance, like going into the winter. Uh, most of the milk gets a little bit more uh, thicker, let's say, the and the dry matter goes up in the milk, so your yield goes up. Uh, and um, yeah, it's it's a nice thing. And and again, there for us, it's like what we have to do is during the year, you know, we have to adjust the recipe with that. So as the milk changes. Uh, in the spring, you, it gets much lighter. Your dry matter goes down. Then, uh, and then in, by the end, it goes back up. And, and we adjust our recipes uh, to that. So we analyze the milk when it comes in. And then we make the adjustments to fit the recipes. And yeah. Wow. Now, that brings up a good point. Because I was going to ask you earlier. You've been to Kenya and Tanzania and all over the world. When you're consult, when you were consulting, do you look at their milk and the the quality of their milk or attributes of their milk and say, "This is a good cheese for you in this village"? Oh, yeah. Or is, yeah, yeah. You you look at all that uh, and you look at the conditions. Um, you know, like when I was working in Tanzania, you know, we didn't real. Our big problem over there was, for instance, storage and everything. So then, and a, like a good cheese to make in a hot climate is mozzarella. So. And the nice thing about mozzarella, you can also freeze it. So it makes very much sense to, in a tropical uh, you know, country, you say, hey, you make that because you have to make it already when it's pretty warm. And then you can throw it in the freezer so if you, you know, it stores much easier. So you're looking for those kind of conditions. And the more you get your conditions under control, the more, you know, the wider your cheese area can be, let's say, you know, the more uh, options you're going to get. And it, it's crucial to look at those kind of things. It all goes together. Wow. That is, that's really, really neat. You you both have such a unique skill set and it seems like just great, great team was brought together on your birthday in <laughs> 2001 or that's three right. or whatever it was. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm so impressed with your story. These products, I mean, it tastes you know, this European style, it, I mean, it tastes like something from the old world. I, I don't, you know, we don't have anything. We're, we're kind of more known for Swiss in my part of Ohio where I'm at. Where are you but from? South of Cleveland. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. But it gives you more options to discover new stuff, you know? Yes, for sure. This should be on uh, everybody's uh, <laughs> holiday cheese plates. I'm telling you right now. Well, and you know, we couldn't really do this without support from, you know, a lot of these independent retailers. You know, our biggest sales are here in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we couldn't, if we weren't being supported and if it wasn't important for our local community to really support the local foods, we, we really wouldn't be able to do this. I mean, no. we distribute nationwide, but most of our cheese is staying right here you know, within, yeah. within a hundred, I don't know, maybe 300 miles, something yeah. like that. Yeah. So, um, yeah. yeah, so we really appreciate, you know, the high Indians team and so many of the local restaurants and, you know, our communities that allow us to come in and do farmer's markets. And yeah. it's, it's, it's really what's allowed us to keep going. Yeah. Well, I know that you are very busy. I really appreciate you joining me here on the craft food classroom. I, if, if you wouldn't mind in closing, if you would, if you could send a message of inspiration to an up and coming, you know, somebody that 
wants to get into the food business or has has a passion for something, what what would be some words of inspiration you could offer? Oh wow! <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'd say look in your lo- look for your local community, look at your local farmers markets. That really, it's so easy if you have an idea and you or you have a recipe or something you make that you want to just see what it's going to do. You know, do go through the proper channels with your health department, but get it into the mouths of your community. Yeah, and look for resources. There are a lot of resources out there to who are uh, willing to help. Uh, you know, and a lot of stuff which we didn't know. You know, we we took we took quite some time to. You know, we started this adventure with Tulip Tree, and I I knew that if we hadn't done that, I would have made more mistakes. So it, it kind of, it, it's good to, you know, if you have something, do your prep work, prepare yourself, uh, try to get as much info as possible about all the aspects. A good example is like when you want to create a product and especially in a food product and you want to start making that and like what we do and you do that a little bit larger scale then or you scale that up. You always imagine before you start, you, you think, oh, you're going to be making all these products. And then once you start with that, you, you kick that off and you find yourself being, you know, working on a computer, doing all the finances and doing all the bookkeeping. And, you know, now you have to hire somebody to make the products. You know, there is there's a lot of that stuff which you can prepare yourself for, a lot of stuff which you don't know. And the more you can prepare, I think the better off you are. And there are a lot of resources out there which can help you with all that stuff. Like we work with an organization that SCORE, which is free. You can work with that, you know, and like people like that, I think can really be a good resource. Yeah, that is yeah. That is great advice. Thank you. Well, your product's amazing. Your branding's beautiful too. We didn't cover that, but it's very, very nice. Thank you. And we appreciate you. Yeah, your dedication to local farmers, so inspiring. Keep up the good work. You got a customer for life here in Cleveland. And if you when you do come to Cleveland, let us know. We'll do that. Great. Maybe I'll bring okay. him. Maybe he'll come with me. <laughs> yeah, you gotta get him out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much. Yeah, that's a wrap. Thanks for joining us on the Craft Food Classroom, the podcast. And we will talk to you soon. Okay. Peace. All right. Thanks for joining on the Craft Food Classroom podcast, where we help make food business simple at every stage of growth. Brought to you by Central Kitchen Media. To learn more about what we're doing, visit us at thecentral.kitchen. Please subscribe to this podcast to learn more about food entrepreneurs and their experience in the craft food business. The Craft Food Classroom Food Business course teaches students exactly what they need to know to succeed in the craft food industry and avoid pitfalls and costly mistakes. You can use the code PODCAST21 at checkout for 10% off. The Craft Food Classroom is a comprehensive and in-depth five-part online go-at-your-own-pace course that will provide everything needed to build a thriving food business. Each module includes a video, presentation, workbook, and quiz. To learn more, visit classroom.thecentral.kitchen. This podcast is brought to you by Heinen's. Founded in 1929 in Shaker Heights, Ohio, by local butcher Joe Heinen, Heinen's has grown to 23 total locations, with 19 stores in the Cleveland area 
and four in the North Shore suburbs of Chicago. After years of building connection with Midwest farmers, it became a part of Heinen's nature to do business with smaller regional companies. Today, Heinen's is proud to carry nearly 700 Midwest-made non-produce items that are present in all departments. For more information, go to Heinen's dot com.